Good morning. If you're watching this message as a recorded uh, sermon on Sunday, June 5th, that means I lost even more of my voice since we recorded it this past Friday, just so you know. Uh, Eaglemont family, I want to thank you for being in prayer as the tender process went out this past week for our expansion. Uh, it's important, obviously, that we are prayerful and moving forward in a posture of complete trust in God in this process. So thanks for joining in. I know you are. Just a reminder. And thank you again for praying for Pastor's Council in this crucial time for God's wisdom and uh, direction. Enemies of our uh, Enemies of the Soul is our message series in, in three of the four Sundays in June. And we're looking at the sources of lies that adversely affect our spiritual lives and every aspect of our lives, really. Uh, the devil, the flesh, and the world. One of the books that is a primary resource for this message series is Live No Lies by John Mark Comer, and a, a book I highly recommend that you get and read. Uh, Enemies of the Soul is not a phrase, of course, that's original with Comer, but he uses it several times in the book. If you know the Bible and you're a genuine Christ follower, you know about spiritual battle in your life. And so you know these enemies, the devil, the flesh, the world. And if, if, if we're not attentive to them, they will be hindrances to the growth uh, of a healthy soul in our relationship with Jesus and possibly even derail us uh, completely. The devil, many people think of Satan as a fictional character. They think of this little red devil that has horns, a pitchfork, and a tail is not a biblical picture. Uh, the flesh sounds sensual, and it is. It's, it's not that our physical body in itself is wicked, but Paul says that our fallen nature is an enemy that, that will lead us down the path of sensual gratification if we let it, uh, that is very, very temporary. And then the world. That's not a reference uh, in this context to the beautiful creation we see around us. Uh, it's not a reference to people of the world whom God loves very much. No, the world in this biblical discussion refers to a system, that a system that stands opposed to God and his ways. And this system of the world is influenced by the God of this world, small g, uh, small g God that Paul uh, calls Satan in 2 Corinthians 4. So these three are enemies of our soul because they, they all war against the healthy spiritual life that God wants for us. We must, Christian friends, we must wage war against the lies that the devil puts to us and that our flesh uh, so easily latches onto and that the system of the world uh, affirms and, and fosters uh, spiritual awareness here, um, Christ followers, is just so crucial. So please, I'm asking you during these three weeks of, of uh, Bible teaching, ask the Holy Spirit to open your eyes to the reality of the, the enemy and his work at perpetuating lies and, uh, and lies that war against your spiritual life and growth. So talk to God about that. Ask him to open your eyes. Sometimes, sometimes I don't think we give much attention to the fact that we're at war. 
in our spiritual lives. And, and yet the following questions that uh, John Mark Comer puts forward uh, likely resonate with all of us as Christ followers. Why is my mind so often under such duress? Uh, why do I feel this tug of war of desires in my chest? Why do I keep coming back to self-defeating and spiritually destructive behavior? Why do I feel inflicted by the ideologies of our time? Are some of the questions, good questions. In this series, I want to heighten our awareness of the spiritual war that we're in simply because we're Christ followers. We, we cannot forget that entering God's family, choosing to do so by faith, makes us a target for the devil and his lies. Uh, the biblical metaphor of war is a good one because we are absolutely at war with the devil, the flesh, and the world's godless uh, system. Here it is in a nutshell. The devil comes up with deceptive ideas, and many of them are quite clever, actually. And these ideas play into our disordered desires, our, our, our flesh, as the Bible calls it. And the activity of our sinful flesh is then normalized by a godly environment and society. In other words, the world that, that is increasingly moving away from God's created order and his design for living. And, and there's nowhere we see this more than in the area of sexuality and what the world uh, is defining, uh, redefining uh, that to be. Uh, as believers, we know that the creator's way of living in every area of life is, is the absolute best and the most fulfilling way to live. It really is. Uh, not, not to mention the eternal consequences that are at stake in the choices that we make in this life. The truths about the devil and the flesh and the world are scattered throughout the Word of God, the Bible. But in Paul's letter to the Christians in Ephesus, he writes a paragraph where all three are included and shows the connection that we've described a little already. Read from Ephesians 2, 1 to 5. If you don't have a Bible, let us know. We'd love to get you one. In the New International Version, as for you, Paul says, as for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and of the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient, small s, spirit. You used to be an angel, right? Verse 3, Ephesians 2, all of us also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our flesh and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature deserving of wrath or God's judgment for our sin, uh, which we are. But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. And so... Number one message in this series, the devil. When we look at what the Bible says about the devil, it immediately takes us into the discussion of spiritual warfare. And spiritual warfare is not, again, a, it's not a red demon with a, a gladiator sword fighting a white angel with a lightsaber. No, a spiritual warfare is also is, is, is not primarily things like, you know, terrible illness. At a, at a str strange time or a multi-layered attack of numerous situations that bombard you and cause great havoc in your life or, or even an exorcism. Uh, yes, it can certainly be any of those things, spiritual warfare. 
but mostly spiritual warfare is the devil's war on our minds through deception and lies. And it begins with lies that are designed by the evil one to keep us from surrendering our lives to Christ and trusting him. That's, that's the crux of spiritual warfare and what spiritual warfare means. When Jesus talks about the devil, he mostly refers to lies, actually, and, and then shares what the truth is. And from God's perspective, winning the war against the devil in our lives is mostly about believing God's truth over embracing Satan's lies. And that's a very, very important statement right there. From the passage we read, Ephesians 2, 2, the ruler, he's, the devil's called the ruler of the kingdom of the air. Uh, the New Living puts it, the devil, the commander of the powers in the unseen world. Very real, unseen, but very real. And then the New King James calls him the prince of the power of the air. Well, Jesus helps us understand Paul's comments here when in John 12, 31, he says, now the ruler of this world will be cast out. In other words, the devil has been allowed by God to have a degree of power and influence in our world and in our lives, but only for a time. And, and, and that's only because Adam and Eve listened uh, originally to the very first lies Satan told to human beings. And, and now we have a spiritual adversary because of that, because of those original choices of our first human parents. Uh, a little later in this same letter, Ephesians uh, chapter 6, verse 12, Paul writes, For we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities in the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, and against evil spirits in the heavenly places, all over the place. Do not, do not brush biblical writing like this off as, as fantasy. It's very real. And if you pause for a moment and honestly assess things, you'll be able to identify it, I'm sure, in your own life and certainly in our world. The reason Satan is called the prince rather than the king is because there's only one king, Jesus Christ. 1 Timothy 6, God, the king of kings and Lord of lords. Now, in this, there's a caution. Don't blame, don't blame the devil for everything. You've heard or maybe you've even said, the devil made me do it. No, he didn't. He, he may have enticed you in a very crafty way, but, but you, I, chose that action or those words. God has given us a, w a will, uh, the, the freedom to choose to obey God or to listen to Satan's lies. And of course, like most things, the pendulum can swing both ways in the attention that people give the devil. Some, some people overestimate his influence to the point of either fascination or, or terror, fear. Uh, not good. Others underestimate his influence, which can result in being more easily deceived by his lies. That's obviously not good either. And then to others, the idea that the devil is even real with sinister, you know, that, 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 that there's this character, uh, this, uh, this former angel with sinister intentions for human beings. It sounds imaginary to them. A devil, really? Come on, they, they might say. But the Bible's clear and history displays it. Current history. Is that an oxymoron? I'm not an oxymoron and I'm not sure. But anyway, there, there is a demonic realm that is led by Satan himself to influence our desires and our decisions in a direction that is, uh, that is where God would not want us to go. Ever since Luc Lucifer 
got kicked out of heaven for wanting to usurp God's rightful place of authority. He has been the adversary of all God's good plans and purposes, which is why we as human beings, God's paramount creation, are Satan's primary target. Jesus believed that the devil was real. In John 10.10, he said the thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. And this thief is set on opposing every good thing that God wants for us. God is love, and so Satan, his intention and focus, while he is still permitted to act, that is, is to wreck love at every level. Author Comer writes that Satan attempts to do this. One relationship, one community, one nation, one generation at a time. And then he adds, this is why following Jesus feels like war. It's being honest, it's true. Again, how is it that the devil kills, steals, and destroys? Primarily through lies. Lies. He, he's the king of misinformation, if he's a king at all. Uh, misinformation, a term that has become popular on mainstream media. Misinformation, disinformation, and by the way, I, f I find it interesting that what the mainstream media refers to as a disinformation on, on numerous occasions has turned out to be true, and in uh, numbers of other cases, what, you know, what our trusted liberal media has put forward as truth has turned out to be lies. We, we live in a day when we're just repeatedly, we find ourselves asking the question, who can we trust? My friends, we can trust God's word because we can trust God. I can say with absolute certainty when we're talking about the devil and what he tries to plant in our minds as truth, 100% of the time, it's lies. It, let's call it demonic disinformation. Oh, there may be a seed of truth in it that kind of draws us in and catches our attention, but at the core, it's nothing but deception. In John 8, speaking about the devil, Jesus said, he has always hated the truth. The devil has always hated the truth because there's no truth in him. When he lies, it is consistent with his character, for he is a liar and the father of lies. In other words, he's the, the origin everything in our world and everything in our minds that is deception. You see, once we acknowledge the source, we can more thoroughly deal with the lie and, and thus embrace what is the truth that God has for us. In the book, Live No Lies, the author, Comer, stressing the devil's primary strategy of lies, writes, all the other, all the other stuff, demonization, illness, wrecking havoc in the natural order, scaring little kids with bad dreams is biblical. We need to take it seriously. But he says it's secondary. Jesus sees our primary war against the devil as a fight to believe truth over lies. Christian philosopher Dallas Willard says, we truly live at the mercy of our ideas. And Comer builds on this and says, the ideas that we believe in our minds and then let our bodies give shape to the trajectory of our souls. Put another way, Comer writes, they shape, they shape how we live and who we become. And I would add further, they ultimately shape where we will spend eternity, in heaven or hell. And so my friends, this discussion is hugely important. We must recognize the devil's strategy and be well aware of his intentions toward us. 
And that's not to scare you because we've got Christ as we trust in him. And we've got the power of the spirit and we've got the, 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 the authority uh, and, and assurance of God's word. 1 Peter 5, though, in this, speaks and, and says, stay alert, watch out for your great enemy. The devil prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Stand firm against him, be strong in your faith. Uh, there are many examples that we could talk about. Uh, Ouija boards or, or, or consulting mediums with things like palm reading or crystal ball. Satan lies and says, oh, come on, it's, it's just innocent. But God speaks to things like this very strongly on numerous occasions in the Bible, like in Leviticus 19. Do not turn to mediums or seek out spiritists, for you will be defiled by them. And Deuteronomy 18. Do not let the people practice fortune-telling or sorcery or interpret omens or engage in witchcraft or cast spells or function as mediums or psychics or call forth the spirits of the dead. A pretty comprehensive list there from thousands of years ago, actually, that is very applicable today. I was talking with a dad in our church recently about a conversation he had with his elementary age son and wisely shared with his son God's perspective on one of these things, specifically the Ouija board, his friends at school had asked him to play. And my Christian, my Christian friends, that's not play, it's not. And this dad had wise words for his son to just, don't freak out, don't be scared, just, kindly decline to play the game and pray God's protection on your heart and, and mind. Good words. You see, the, the devil's lies are all over this culture. One very prevalent one that I alluded to a little earlier is in the area of God's gift of sexuality. And I don't do this very often, but I'm going to read a lengthy section of uh, Comer's book to highlight Satan's uh, lies in this area. So please uh, listen carefully as I read. He writes, When we believe lies, ideas that are not congruent with the reality of God's loving and wise design, and then tragically open our bodies to those lies and let them into our muscle memories, we allow an ideological cancer to infect our souls. Let's broach an example we can't skirt around as it is the leading moral question of our generation, human sexuality. And remember, as you read this, I'm a pastor, not a politician. My goal is to journey with your soul on its way to healing in God, not to legislate anything. I don't, I don't expect secularists to live like Christians. The move of the Spirit is inward to conviction, not outward to critique. I'm not trying to critique the culture, much less control it. I'm trying to flourish a counterculture. I love that. He says the sexual liberation revolution of the 1960s set in motion a cascade effect, the reversal of the long-standing moral consensus around promiscuity, which separated sex from uh, marriage, worked in tandem with the advent of birth control and the legislation of abortion, which separated sex from procreation which moved on to the legislation of no-fault divorce, which turned a covenant into a contract and separated sex from intimacy and fidelity, and then to Tinder and hookup culture, which separated sex from commitment and turned it into a way to get your needs met. 
From there, it's moved on to the LGBTQ plus uh, revolution, which separated sex from the male-female binary, the, the current transgender wave, which is an attempt to separate gender from biological sex. Amid the revolution, the questions nobody seems to even be asking are, is this making us better people, more loving people, happier people? Are we thriving in a way we weren't prior to our liberation? He puts in quotes. Well, he says, consider a few data points from the research. Happiness levels have actually been in decline in the US since, interestingly, the 60s. He says, in spite of the cultural narratives that state otherwise, divorce is a traumatic event for children. And we're learning it's directly tied to the rising number of people who struggle to develop intimate, healthy relationships in, uh, in adulthood. Or about the data, he says that those who cohabitate before marriage are less likely to marry or more likely to get a divorce if they do and often develop long-term trust issues. Or consider the research on the two chemicals re released by our body during sex that bring our attachment system online and cause us to bond to another person. It seems that the more sexual partners you have, the less capacity your body has for intimacy. Very interesting. Or the much documented but little talked about data on the effects of abortion on women's mental and physical health or the sex reassignment surgery and hormone therapy for those who identify as transgender do not benefit their emotional health, which, which is the main, he says, which is the main rationale behind them. Or the stats on the epidemic of sexual addiction across the West, or the fact that porn is becoming increasingly violent and is now a multi-billion dollar industry intentionally targeting children. Never mind, he says, that while hashtag Me Too is dominating headlines, the Fifty Shades of Grey trilogy, a story about male uh, sexual domination, was becoming the highest selling book series of the decade and one of the highest grossing film franchise of all time. Contradiction is alarming there. And then he, he, he winds down by saying, these facts, and, and I only shared a few of Comer's examples actually, these facts are, uh, are, are conveniently left out of the discussion, if there is even a discussion at all. I'm a pastor in a city with no sexual boundaries. I'm sad, I care about the damage to people's souls. The quote unquote liberation is looking more and more like enslavement. Satan's lies everywhere in our culture. In addition to the lies about sexuality, there are other deceptions that Satan attempts to convince us of and to shape our patterns of thinking on. And he does this because he's well aware that eventually what, what occupies our minds is what will inform our choices. And so in addition to lies about sexuality, he feeds, uh, he, he feeds lies that cause you to doubt that God loves you or that he can provide for your needs, or, or, or lies that, that convince you that the more stuff you have, the happier you'll be. He's convinced some Christians that it's okay even to be a, a consumer in church. Or, or his lies about the assurance God gives Christians that they'll be with him forever in heaven. The, the devil will lie about your past in his sinister attempts to get you believing that You've done too much wrong and so, so that God can't forgive you. On and on the lies go. 
His lies are primarily, again, intended to chip away at your trust in God. And, and so, so you turn toward trusting yourself and your own wisdom and desires. That's, that's a recipe for a wreck for any one of us, not to mention eternal separation from God, potentially. In the Garden of Eden, Genesis 1 to 3, in the first three chapters of the Bible, Satan's lies were designed to, to lead those two human beings to, to seize autonomy from God and also to uh, redefine good and evil based on their own wisdom and on the inclination of their desires. And so for those who, who don't want to drift that way, the only lasting answer is, is to commit to grow basic spiritual habits. Commit to break free from Satan's lies and fortify your mind and heart from Satan's lies by some simple things. And many of you, you've been a Christian for any length of time, you won't be surprised by these four things, but they're so vital. And yet we let them just kind of go left untapped sometimes. Tools that God has given us. First one is prayer. Prayer is simply talking to God honestly, regularly about everything about your doubts, your fears, your questions, your, your joys, whatever. First Thessalonians 5 says, pray without ceasing. That's just ongoing conversation with God. Tell God that you wanna obey him. That's prayer. It's an important part of prayer. It's in dialogue with God and, and, and practicing the discipline of listening as part of prayer as well, where, where the lies of our spiritual enemy can become clear to us. We can see them more clearly. And then, and then there's Bible engagement. Jesus said, you will know the truth and the truth will set you free in John 8. God's word. God's word is truth. So we, we need to know it. The spiritual practice of Bible engagement will, will, will help direct our thoughts and our hearts toward God's truth as opposed to the devil's lies and, and help us, again, identify uh, our, our enemy's lies more quickly. And then there's being filled with the Spirit. Ask Jesus, ask Jesus to fill you with his Holy Spirit. Read, read the book of Acts with an open heart. Uh, John the Baptist said Jesus would, would fill us. Acts 1.8, we see it happen for the first time, the promise of it anyway. And then we see it in Acts 2. Power, when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. Now, contextually, that power was primarily talked, uh, talking about power to witness, but my friend, the Holy Spirit also provides his power in our lives so that, so that we can live holy and honoring lives for Jesus and keep our minds clear uh, um, from, from Satan's lies. And then there's staying connected to the body. We see the lie of isolation way back in Genesis 3. That was the reaction after the sin, remember? After there was sin and failure, isolation, hide from God and others. Isolation is a lie that Satan uses to cause people to walk away from the community of the body of Christ. And that, that, will, that will never end well spiritually for anyone. Because, because committed connection to the body of Christ is an important, hear me now, it's an important part of God's plan for your spiritual well-being. It's an important part of his plan and design in, in how to keep you close to him. It really is. Comer highlights what most of us are well aware of, namely the devastating impact of isolation during uh, this time of COVID and he writes, its effect on mental health and human flourishing was lethal. The suicide rate spiked to an all-time high. We, we need community. He says, we need community to thrive. And that is so true. And I would add the effect on spiritual health on many 
took a huge hit during this season as well that we've walked through. Don't, please, don't let Satan have the upper hand in your life by keeping you away from the body of Christ and, and keeping you away from the gathering and keeping you away from your small group or a small group that you intend to join. The devil is well aware of our need for community and so he has always and will continue to find ways to attempt to cut us off from it. So be aware, be aware and take steps in this regard that honor Christ and are spiritually healthy for you and for others that you encourage when you're with the body. So in response this morning, I ask you to give thought to what lies you've been believing. I want you to think carefully and just a couple examples that I want to throw out. One is on the screen. What lies am I or have I been believing about God? What lies am I believing about God? You know, that, that he's angry, angry at me and he's making me pay because life is really hard right now. What lies am I believing about God? You'll find the truth in his word. Uh, what lies am I believing about how God sees me? God is truth and has the truth. So listen to him, not to the lies. And you'll know the lies because they're condemning. They're, they're weighty. They push you down. We have complete access to God's truth, which is the only reliable source of truth. And that's worth being very grateful for. Maybe some of you have never committed your life to Christ, but you want to do so. I, I, I would ask, would you surrender? What's keeping you from surrendering to Jesus Christ if you haven't done so already? And if you haven't, you can simply look to God and, and in your heart and mind, uh, confess your belief in him and say, Heavenly Father, I thank you for loving me. Thank you, Jesus, for coming to the cross for me and taking my penalty for my sin upon yourself. I, I wanna surrender my life to you. I repent of my sin. I, I turn away from my old life because you've got a better way to live, God, and I wanna be in your family. I trust you. Jesus, I trust you and what you did on the cross. Be the forgiver of my sin now and the leader of my life. In Jesus' name, I pray this, amen. Amen is just kinda like a final, you know, hit with the hammer on the top of the nail, just seals it. And. You, if you pray that prayer right now, have entered the family of God. And if you have, I encourage you to, uh, if you're in person, in the, in the gathering, to take an I'm new card and let us know. We want to celebrate with you. We want to help you. We want to give you resor uh, resources that, that, you, that you might need to establish your roots in this new relationship with Christ. If you're engaging online, uh, there's a place there. There's a button uh, that you can click to let us know that you prayed that prayer or uh, go to eaglemont.info and click on the I'm new button and you, there's a form there that you can fill out just to, to, to share a, that good news with us. And Father, I pray right now for every believer. I pray for every person who is skeptical. I pray for every person who is, is just on the cusp of making that commitment to you. Wherever we are, God, in our spiritual journey, I pray in Jesus' name that your truth would be what dominates our thoughts. And Lord, I pray for those that are wanting to follow you. And either today or last week or last month or years ago committed their life to you. Satan wants to draw them away. May that not happen. In the name of Jesus, 
May our thoughts, may our hearts and our minds be focused on what is truth from your word and help, help us by your word and by the work of your spirit directing us. Help us, help us all to be able to identify the lies of Satan so that we stay close to you. In Jesus' name, amen.